Let's talk finance. Wouldn't it be convenient to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one spot? Yahoo Finance does just that. It consolidates your portfolio views and offers expert analysis, making it easier to manage your investments. Let's not beat around the bush. You want to grow your portfolio, fight inflation, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom. Yahoo Finance provides the news, data, and tools to make that happen. You may think you've covered all the bases, savings, researching, and investing smartly. But to truly excel, you need Yahoo Finance in your corner. A holistic perspective is crucial for success, and Yahoo Finance ensures you have it. With a massive community of over 90 million users monthly, Yahoo Finance is here to guide you on your path to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. In my early days, I faced a pivotal moment in my career. Instead of following the herd into traditional finance, I charted my own course. Despite skepticism, I founded my investment firm driven by a belief in economic truth and fiscal responsibility. Through perseverance, I established myself as a leading voice in finance, proving that sometimes blazing your own path is the best way to succeed. To get what you want, sometimes you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. That's what Harry's did. Seeing people tricked by expensive razors, Harry's took a stand. Instead of pricey options, they offer high-quality razors at a fraction of the cost. That's why when it comes to grooming my face, I use Harry's. Harry's understands the value of quality without breaking the bank. Their razors provide a smooth shave every time, and their shaving gel leaves my skin feeling refreshed and moisturized. So don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com gold. That's harrys.com gold for a $3 trial set. The Peter Schiff Show. Well, today we got the official Federal Open Market Committee minutes, which were released at 2 o'clock this afternoon, although I think they jumped the gun a little bit and released them early. And this is the last look inside the head of the FOMC members before their September meeting next month when everybody is convinced that they're about to raise rates. Although everybody was convinced until just before 2 o'clock this afternoon when all of a sudden a lot of people began to question uh, that narrative and now are pushing back the expectations to December. Prior to the release of these minutes, though, the price of gold was up about $10-11. Silver prices were up as well, maybe, I don't know, 30 cents or so, despite the fact that people were anticipating the possibility of some very hawkish comments coming out of uh, those FOMC minutes. Gold prices are now trading at a more than one month high. We ended up up about $15, $16 on the day. We tacked on, added to our gains after the FOMC minutes were released, and I'm going to get to those in a minute. But the fact that we're at more than a one-month high in the gold price, now above $1,130, we're well over $50 from the lows. And this rally happened against the backdrop of extreme negative sentiment. I mean, crazy bearishness like I've never seen before. So a very good indicator that maybe this was it. It was the capitulation, and we've seen the lows. It's a little premature 
to make that statement conclusively, but I think there's some strong evidence to suggest that we've seen the low in this cycle. Also, silver, which was up about 40 cents today, what's more significant is that it was down 50 cents yesterday. And or it didn't quite close down 50 cents, maybe a little bit less, but it was a huge move down yesterday, followed by almost as huge a rise today. And now big drops in the silver market have happened many times over the last several, several years, you know. But what's unique about this big drop is the recovery the next day. I don't think I've ever seen a huge drop where silver pretty much recovered everything it lost the following day. Normally, it goes down again. So maybe, again, this is the type of action that might suggest a turn in trend. There is a lot of support beneath the market. There are a lot of buyers beneath all the, the pessimism. And again, they were buying in front of the release of these FOMC minutes, which meant they didn't care. Right? And again, it also uh, suggests that my idea of the buy the rumor, sell the fact, people are now getting so accepting of the fact that the Fed's going to raise rates, that there's no more upside in the Fed's going to raise rates trade, right? It's not about, you know, buying the dollar or selling gold because the Fed's going to raise rates. They've been buying the dollar and selling gold for years based on the idea that the Fed's going to raise rates, right? So buy the rumor, sell the fact. This is, you know, this rumor has been going on for years. But again, it may not even materialize because they may not raise rates at all. And of course, when they do raise rates, the Fed may go out of its way to talk about how long it's going to be before they raise them again, right? And once they start doing that, once they start backtracking with all that dovish rhetoric, pretty soon the one and done narrative is going to start to gain traction. That that's it, that we're not going up to two or 3%, that that's all it is, right? Because, you know, there are a lot of people that are saying the only reason that the Fed wants to raise rates is to get them off zero so that they have some ammunition, they have some dry powder to fight off the next recession. People will acknowledge that this recovery is long in the tooth. It's already well beyond uh, the duration of the average recovery, even though it's much weaker than the average. In fact, it's the weakest recovery ever. It is still on the long side, right? We're getting ready for a recession. And people are saying, well, the Fed wants to be prepared. It doesn't want to get caught with its monetary pants down, right? It wants to make sure it reloads the gun. It raids interest rates so it can cut them in the next recession. I mean, which makes no sense. Like what? The Fed is trying to beat the buzzer here, that they're basically doing a half-court, uh, you know, three-point play, uh, trying to beat the buzzer. I mean, this, this is going to be an air ball, right, a brick. It's going to fall well short of the, the backboard. I mean, think about it. What? You're they're raising rates just so they can cut them? You know, and the irony is, if they really are worried about a recession coming and they want to get rates higher so that they can cut them when it starts... If they raise them now in order to prepare for it, it's going to happen that much quicker. Raising rates will accelerate the recession that apparently the Fed is so worried about that it doesn't want to be caught with rates at zero when it starts. But you know what? It might happen. Rates, rates may be at zero. And of course, you know, the policy gun is not empty, right? A, they got QE4 that they can relaunch. They don't want to talk about that, right? It's hidden up their sleeve, but that's there. And of course, they got negative interest rates. I mean, why stop at zero? They had negative interest rates in, in Europe. Look at Switzerland, right? If it were So who says these guys won't try negative rates? So the gun isn't empty. They just don't want to admit the firepower that they have. Of course, it's not going to jumpstart the economy. It's not going to create economic growth or jobs, but it will ultimately destroy the dollar. So I think either way, 
if they raise rates slightly or if they don't raise them at all, this could be the end of this dollar rally and the end of the gold and silver decline. But let's get to these FOMC minutes, right? Because everybody is like, okay, the Fed's about to raise rates in a few weeks. And if they really are, and I think, you know, something like 90, 95% of the economists out there were saying, yep, the rate, the, the rate hike is coming in September. And if you remember, when the year began, right, the, the economic world was split into two camps. There were those guys who said the Fed's going to move in March, and there was the other camp that said, no, no, they're going to hold off until June, right? Well, both camps were wrong, right? March and June came and went, and rates are still at zero, right? I was saying they weren't going to raise them, right? I was a lone voice saying that, and that's what happened. Well, now the two camps are divided again, right? Although more people are in the September camp than the December camp, although that might have changed today. I think based on these minutes now, Many people who were expecting a rate hike in September are now thinking that it's going to happen in December. But of course, we don't get a rate hike in September. When we get to November, I guess I'll be talking March, right, instead of, uh, instead of de December. But the, the, we were divided between those two camps, and now everybody was sure, okay, yes, the Fed is going to raise rates in September. Well, if that were the case, and, you know, this is August, wouldn't you notice that certainty in the Fed meetings? I mean, if these guys were about to raise rates, the minutes would certainly reveal that they're ready to go. But if you look at these minutes, they have no idea what they're going to do. They're still trying to figure it out. I mean, you don't think they would know by now? What, are they just going to toss a coin in September? Rate hike, not rate hike, or eeny, meeny, miny, moe? Or they, what are they all going to do there? Right? They're going to do rock, paper, scissors and see, you know, I mean, you'd figure they would know if they were ready to raise rates in a few weeks, that would be evident. In fact, it's not, right? They're, they're talking about that they're not sure what they're going to do. And if you read the minutes, you get statements like, well, you know, we're on our way. We're making progress towards uh, an economy where higher rates are appropriate, right? We're on our way. We're heading in the right direction. But we're just not there yet. That's what they're saying. We're just not there yet. Where yet? I mean, we could never get there because we don't even know where there is. And I think that's deliberate. That's by design. They've created this hypothetical place that we're supposedly headed towards. But we're never going to reach it because they never actually want to raise rates. So they have to pretend, though, that, okay, we're not quite there yet. We're getting there. We're almost there, but just not quite. But they don't want to tell us exactly what we need because then we'll know we're there and then we won't get the rate hike. So they'll lose their credibility. So they have to be sly. Just whatever the improvements are, they're just not good enough. But of course, the problem is they don't want to acknowledge how bad things are getting. Right. That's the one thing they don't want to do. They don't want to acknowledge, you know what, a rate hike is further away because we're actually not progressing in the direction the Fed wants. We're moving the other way here. Case in point was the um, Empire State Manufacturing Index that came out earlier this week on Monday. This is for August. Now, last month in July, that index was 3.86, which is a low number, really low. And the consensus was for a slight improvement to 4.75%. That's what everybody thought. Well, we actually got minus 14 0.92%, minus 14.92%. It wasn't even in the realm, anywhere close 
The lowest, the lowest forecast that anybody made was three, positive three, not even negative three, positive three, right? We got minus 14.92. That was the lowest number since April of 2009, right? During the Great Recession. You have to go back to April of 2009, the depths of the Great Recession, to find an Empire State Manufacturing Index as low as this. And as far as the miss versus expectations, this is the biggest miss since 2010. So this is the kind of data we're getting out. Horrible data. How does this show that we're getting closer to the mythical place where the Fed can raise rates? If anything, this shows we're backing up at an accelerating pace. We're going further away from where the Fed claims we need to be in order to justify its rate hikes. And of course, they're also saying that there's not enough inflation. We got another inflation number out today, up 0.1%, right? They were looking for 0.2, we got 0.1. Uh, somehow it's always 0.1 or 0.2, the way they reverse engineer these numbers. But accordingly, the Fed is worried that they don't have enough inflation and there's not enough growth and the job market is still not quite there yet. It's getting better, they say, but it's just not quite good enough even though the unemployment rate is pretty much almost as low as it's ever been, apparently it's not low enough because, of course, they're looking at labor force participation. They're looking at wage growth, which is the most anemic it's ever been. They're looking at all the people with part-time jobs. And all of these statistics are getting worse. If the Fed is waiting for an improvement in labor force participation, if the Fed is waiting for higher wages or more full-time jobs, they are further away from their goal than they have ever been during this entire ridiculous monetary experiment of 0% interest rates and quantitative, quantitative easing. So based on that, they're not going to be raising rates at all. In fact, look at the Walmart earnings that came out earlier this week. Terrible earnings, right? Their costs are going way up. Their profits are plunging. Hey, if this was a consumer-led recovery, why isn't the consumer shopping at Walmart? I mean, they've got the lowest prices. America shops at Walmart, except when they're broke, right? Except if it's this, you know, non-recovery. That's why they're not there. You know, one of the funniest things is Walmart actually officially blamed, blamed their uh, weak earnings on the strong dollar. The strong dollar. I mean, the strong dollar is helping Walmart, right? Walmart is the world's biggest importer, right? So they use dollars to buy all the stuff that their customers buy. And the higher the dollar is, the cheaper that stuff is, right? They can import it for less money. And so theoretically, they should have bigger profits. See, it's the exporters, right? They're the ones that are, are, are going to blame their weak earnings on the strong dollar, right? Because they're selling abroad and they're not getting as much when they translate uh, their euros or their Australian dollars, or their Canadian dollars back to U.S. dollars. But if you're an importer, right, the importers are supposed to be benefiting from a strong dollar. They are the main beneficiary. So since uh, Walmart is the world's biggest importer, or America's biggest importer, probably the world, and they're, they, they should be our biggest beneficiary of a strong dollar, yet they're blaming their weak earnings on the very thing that should be helping them. In other words, how much weaker would Walmart's earnings be if they had a weak dollar? I mean, their earnings would be collapsing because they would be under more pressure to raise their prices. And by the way, that is probably what Walmart is going to have to do. They're going to have to raise prices to offset their rising costs, right, which also include labor costs, and um, their, uh, their, their weakening profits. They've got to do something to shore up that ship. What could they do? They raise prices. And of course, that's just going to hurt the economy even more, right? And then, you know, the Fed comes, oh, we're waiting for higher prices, but 
if the cost of things go up, people, consumers have less money. People are paying more for staples, right? One of the uh, increases in prices recently has been, uh, or spending, consumer spending, they've been spending more money on food. And when you see an uh, increase in spending on food, it's not because Americans are now eating more. I mean, why would they do that? Why would they eat more, right? They're probably eating the same. Maybe they're even eating less. They're just paying more for what they do eat. And that's really what you're seeing in some of these consumer spending numbers is that it's the, it's the inflation that's not really getting measured. Now, you know, the stock market was down before the minutes, right? Maybe because, oh, people were expecting something hawkish. The Dow was down almost 200 points. And then when these minutes came out, it rose back into positive territory. Now, it didn't close positive. I mean, it went back down. I think it closed a little over 100 points down. Uh, Dow Dow, actually 160 points, almost all the way back down to the lows. Now that I check, check the prices again. Uh, and this should be troubling sign because even though the market got the supposed good news that the Fed might not be hiking rates in September, it's still selling off. And that's because I still don't think a rate hike is priced into the stock market. It's priced into the currency markets. It's priced into the, um, the, the gold market. But it's not priced into the stock market because those traders are so optimistic. They think even if the Fed rates, raises rates, it's not going to hurt the stock market. And this is a delusion. And I explained this before. They go back historically and they say, well, normally when the Fed raises rates, it doesn't hurt the stock market. You have about a two-year lag, right? And I debunk that myth because normally when the Fed is raising rates, the economy is improving. And it continues to improve despite the rate hikes, right? The Fed is trying to slow down an overheating economy. This will be the first time that the Fed hiked rates into a decelerating economy when all the indicators that are normally going up are going down. And the Fed is height raising rates when it would normally be cutting them, right? So this is not a normal period. And of course, you know, we've never raised them from zero. We've never taken away, you know, such a huge punch bowl, right? before. So this is not an ordinary time. So don't expect the stock market to behave. But I think now people are now starting to figure out that, wait a minute, this might not be as smooth a process as we think, right? The Fed might not be able to thread this needle after all. And the stock market is really starting to come down. And I think the stock market is going to continue to trend down in the U.S. until the Fed comes clean, until the Fed finally stops with the double talk and actually admits what it's been reluctant to admit the entire time, that we're, we're not raising rates and that we're going to do QE4. Because I was right from the beginning when I said this was a monetary roach motel, right? Once the Fed checked in, there was no checking out, right? This policy cannot end. And the whole dollar rally and the gold sell-off is based on the fallacy that the Fed has ended QE and that it was a success, right? But it hasn't ended it. It's just getting started because it's a huge failure. But the Fed will never admit that their policy failed. They're just going to say, we need more of it, right? It was working, and then some crazy things happened beyond our control in China, in Europe, uh, you know, whatever, in oil. Oil, by the way, hit a six-year low today, down about two bucks. I mean, barely hanging in there above $40 a barrel. This is a new low for the move. All this stuff is happening, and the Fed is now going to get the excuse. And I've always said from the beginning, the Fed was looking for an excuse not to raise rates. They knew they would find one. They just didn't know what it was going to be because they knew they couldn't actually raise rates. They, they could pretend they could raise rates, right? They wanted to pretend the economy was strong enough to allow a rate hike, but they didn't want to actually raise hikes, raise rates to prove that it wasn't strong enough, which it's not, which is why rates have been at zero for six, seven years and why the Fed is going to have to do QE4. 
for the same reason they did QE3 and QE2. Remember, nobody expected QE2. They all thought the Fed was done when they did it the first time. And then even though they did it again, nobody expected QE3, you know, except me. And then they had it. And there was a pretty big lag between the end of QE2 and the beginning of QE3. They didn't just go right to it, right? And so the same thing is happening. You're having a lag between QE3 and QE4, but nobody expects this. But this is what's going to happen. So we'll see. We're going to actually get the Fed, uh, the Fed uh, decision in the September rate hike. And again, I wonder how many people are just going to seamlessly say, okay, you know, it's going to happen in December without realizing that, you know, they're waiting for Godot here when they're waiting for the Fed to raise rates, that it's something that's just never going to happen. <laughs> and if it does happen, it's only so the Fed can pretend that it can do it again. But it knows it can't, which means it's going to have to assure the market that even though they raise rates, they're not really going to do it anymore, and they're, and, they're, and they're ready to cut them if they have to. If anything goes wrong, the Fed is there. And of course, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And when it comes to this Fed and this monetary policy, Murphy is going to end up looking like an optimist. Hi, this is Peter Schiff. And long before foreign governments and hedge funds were buying gold by the ton, I urge my clients to put 5 to 10% of their portfolios into physical precious metals. Despite gold's massive rise over the last decade, I still think that a 5 to 10% allocation to gold and silver is a smart investment decision. But buyers have to beware. Big TV gold dealers push all sorts of coins that are poor investments. Bait-and-switch deals, price protection guarantees, leveraged gold accounts. These are just a few of the sleazy tactics used to swindle inexperienced gold buyers. My gold company is different. We never offer a coin or bar unless I consider it to be a good investment. I want my customers to be educated. That's why I'm offering you a free research report exposing the biggest scams and ripoffs in the industry. Download my report classic gold scams and how to avoid getting ripped off for free at goldscams.com. This report tells you everything you need to know about how to avoid losing thousands of dollars with scam gold dealers. It even tells you how to tell if a salesman is lying to you on the phone. This is a must read for anyone considering a gold or silver investment. Download this free report today at goldscams.com. That's goldscams.com.